Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies, like... My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL Podcast. I'm Gary Gramling. I'm Connor Orr. And we are going to be previewing the wild card playoff games a little bit later in the show, but we're going to start with some of the coach openings and some of the developments over the last two days. And uh, we're starting with, well, the most recent of these openings, and that is the Giants did indeed move on from Joe Judge after, I don't know, a, a couple of days of looked like he was going to be safe after all. Yeah, really strange. Um Really strange situation there, but not completely out of character for the Giants. I think the Giants fancy looking like the most pragmatic franchise. You know, I remember every time we had an embattled coach. I mean, I, I covered a lot of the Tom Coughlin uh, teams, especially towards the end. Uh, and they would do this a lot. They would wait like two or three they would kind of soft leak at some point that he was probably leaning towards safe, but then there was like a two or three day waiting period. And then you'd wait for the white smoke to come out. And then uh, you'd go over to the facility and you'd, you'd hear them talk about how, why they believe in him or why, you know, whatever. And if I had to imagine, you know, they had a meeting with Joe judge. I think they probably heard what his thoughts were for the future, but I think ultimately they probably first dove into 
the GM hiring process and probably talked to some people who were in the know there. And everyone said, there's a 0% chance you're going to get a good GM. If you keep this guy as the head coach, you're just, you know, unless you get Monty awesome for from Tennessee, who kind of knows Joe judge, there's a 0% chance you're getting anybody that's worth, uh, worth salt. Whereas if you get rid of Joe judge, that's st- the giants is a marquee job. You're probably going to get the best GM candidate on the market. Yeah, and you know, as far as the uh, last couple of days went after the firing was announced, you had you know whatever some some reports of this coach didn't like working for him, and and this coach is frustrated, and and all that stuff that usually comes out. There were reports that uh, there was unhappiness in the locker room. It was just such a bizarre final two weeks of the uh, of the Joe Judge regime, and and you always astutely point out. You know, uh, people can point and laugh at Joe Judge and and wasn't this ridiculous and all that stuff. Uh, he has an entire staff of people, uh, not only coordinators, but uh, lower level coaches, staffers who are reliant on employment uh, based on what he does to an extent. And to go out like he did when it looked like he was safe, it was kind of like, all right, just just keep your head down, make it through the last two weeks. No one cares about the Bears game or the Washington game anyway. And to sort of just have this spectacular meltdown that lasted two weeks was, uh, it was self-inflicted, but it was also uh, a lot of other people were inflicted by it. Yeah, and and that's the disappointing thing. And, you know, in in kind of checking in throughout the season, um, you know, I do a few coaching lists throughout the year. And so you check in with people at various points during the season. And I heard this in like November, December and heard it again yesterday. It was like, if you had to rank the five most miserable supporting coaching staffs in the NFL, the Giants were one of those five. It was just, you know, it didn't seem like Joe was running the kind of ship where everybody wanted to come to work every day. And that's a tough, that's a tough sell. And then to also, you know, guarantee that everyone can come back for another year. Now, who knows what he, he would have had to make staffing changes anyway. I don't think you could have brought that often sold that offensive line, that offensive staff coming back as a whole. Um, but yeah, to do what he did was just, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if it was being fed up with the media. Uh, you know, I don't know if that got to him. You know, New York's a tough media market, but I think the reporters there are very fair. I don't think anybody there is aggressively annoying or aggravating or, un, you know, or unreasonable. And so I don't know what led to the the sort of public meltdown that we saw. It's just uh, it's it's fascinating. Uh, I, I've never quite seen anything like it. I mean, Ben McAdoo did a really bad job down the stretch of selling the Eli Manning to Geno Smith transition thing. Um, and, and that cost him his job. But Joe Judge is different. Like it, it was like combative but also just hubris and like a just a very strange mix of of all that stuff the uh the other thing is we kind of we kind of wondered what he might do at offense coordinator he he didn't really select jason garrett jason garrett was kind of uh put on him to an extent and it was kind of like well you know that's that's a little unfair let's see who he brings in but after watching what happened the last couple of weeks i didn't I think he was going to hire like Lou Holtz to run the Veer or something like that. <laughs> I I don't know what he would have had in mind for what that offense should look like. Yeah. So and and the other problem there was, and probably another determining factor there was, who like if you're the Giants and you wanted to keep him, and I still think they wanted to keep him, but uh, you know who were you going to be able to convince as an offensive coordinator to come in and get that job, right? Because it's like okay, the offensive line needs work. 
uh, we, you know, I like Daniel Jones. I know this is a pro Danny Dimes podcast, and mm-hmm. especially when Jenny leaves, I won't will, will not stand for that changing. Um, I'm, it's going to remain a pro Danny Dimes podcast, but. I don't know. Uh, you know, you, you're going to have we're going to force Saquon Barkley down your throat. I'm probably not going to trade him. You know, all this stuff, you know, that we're going to make you do. And I don't know. I, I think probably every offensive coordinator out there, prospective offensive coordinator was like, nah, I'll that's a hard pass. I'm, I'm good. I'll go to uh, I'll go to Carolina and, uh, you know, and try to figure things out there or somewhere else that has an opening. You know, I don't know. So it's a team that obviously has some flaws. Uh, they, they were built in a certain vision that maybe is not completely up to date at this point. Uh, that said, I don't, you know, it, 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 it's a really good GM job. And if you're a head coach, you know this ownership is going to kind of do everything they can to give you as much of an opportunity to succeed as possible at this point. So I don't know if it's necessarily a, a bad job. And again, uh, we are Daniel Jones believers. I call him Abracadaniel, by the way. Uh, but we can work that out <laughs> as we uh, as we go forward. Abracadaniel. That's perfect. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah. I, I think sometimes we have to back up because everyone will say like, ha ha, the Giants. Um, and, but when both of the jobs are open and this is if you think about it this is the probably the first open-ended gm search in team history right yeah because you had george young george young handed the handed the baton off to ernie acorsi ernie acorsi's assistant was jerry reese who got the job jerry reese's personnel guy was dave gettleman who got the job they've and george young was like the gm for like 30 years and so You've never had an open, thorough GM search. If you open this up, and if you're the mayors and you say, we're out of personnel, go ahead. You, you do whatever you want. This is a dream job for a GM. Like, if you win there, uh, you're locked in. The The ownership is, you know, they give you a lot of resources to win. They're pretty hands-off. You know, I, I don't know. I like the job a lot. And coaching-wise, like, it's still the NFC East. You no. could come in here. You could come in here and win. Like the be- the the most difficult thing you're contending with from a schematic mindset is Mike McCarthy, which, again, he won a lot of games, but is not like it's not like volunteering to work in a division with like Kyle Shanahan, Sean, Sean McVay. Yeah. You know, yep. You know what I mean? Like it's like okay, you know, I could probably, you know, it, and it's a Mike McCarthy that's probably going to lose Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn soon. So like. You know that that's a pretty good job. If I'm a head coaching candidate, I'm I'm probably walking in there feeling pretty good about what I got. And you you have some pieces defense, some, not a lot. Um, you have a you have a left tackle. Um, you have a good fifty fifty ball wide receiver if you can stay healthy. I mean, there's there's some stuff there you could build. You could win your first year. Well, let's go back to Monday, and the shocker of the uh, coaching carousel season here was Brian Flores out in Miami, and we've had a couple of days to chew on it at this point, and it's still uh, it's still disappointing, uh, considering what he accomplished there with a really shorthanded team, and I don't know, to me, it's just kind of a reminder of, in the end, and, and look, we've seen these whispers of like, oh, you know, he's, he's not a... Uh, he's not a great relationships guy or whatever it might be. Um, that seems a little uh, absurd and stereotypical. Uh, he <clears throat> seems like a guy who was 
interested in in winning football games and probably you know didn't uh, I, I don't know him personally uh the way he comes off to me and the way uh people have relayed his personality to me he's probably not a guy who has a whole lot of uh appetite for you know doing the schmoozing and doing the uh some of the uh rear end kissing that uh you have to do sometimes with your boss and it sounds like that kind of uh played into <laughs> why he is gone and why Chris Greer the long time uh Dolphins front office guy, uh, general manager for a couple years now, is still there. The amount of like, uh, the amount of revisionist history that seems to have been put out in the wake of this is, is just, you know, and someone tweeted this at me and they're like, well, you're national media. And so all you care about is making agents happy. So of course you're going to side with Brian Flores, whereas like everybody else is going to, is going to say the truth. And I, I would say this I think that the pendulum swings both ways. I think locally, a lot of the stuff was about Flores being a bad communicator, a lot of that stuff being leaked. Locally, there's an interest, right? Because locally, you want to also, you're going to hear from the people that you deal with every day, you know, the people who are still there that need to defend that move. And so the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Could Brian Flores have handled some stuff better on a personality front? Absolutely. Should they have fired him? No. Uh, and I think that that's probably where we end up coming down on this, but he'll get another head coaching job. I wouldn't be surprised if he just like walks into that, uh, the meeting in Hallis Hall and gets the Bears job. I think that would be a slam dunk hire for them. But, um, and, and now that he's kind of made his mistakes with the offensive coordinator thing, I think he can, you know, I think he can start fresh there and, and do a better job, but it's why the Dolphins are remaining the Dolphins, right? It's just like this team is always going to be a third place perpetual afterthought because they behave like a third place perpetual afterthought. And we're going to have a whole off season to discuss uh, the quarterback situation there. But uh, I don't know if you are going into that uh, interview room and, and you're, you know, being considered for that job. Uh, I it, There seems to be a sense that like, okay, Brian Flores is gone. He was the draw for Deshaun Watson here. Now maybe Deshaun Watson is not in the conversation. And uh, and look, it, you know, we, we've obviously talked about it a lot on this podcast. We've covered a lot uh, on uh, the MMQB. Deshaun Watson probably shouldn't have been discussed in football terms anyway, but that was how it went down in Miami around the trade deadline, and that's where it kind of landed when it was all said and done. It looked like the Dolphins were going to be the favorites to land him, and he will play in the league again uh, at some point. So there seems to be a sense that maybe Tua Tungavailoa is the guy the owner wants in the end, and the GM obviously took him with the top five pick after they attempted to throw away an entire season in order to land their quarterback. And, you know, look, there were there were two two other quarterbacks taking the top six of that draft who have become superstars. And and Tua looks like just an exceedingly limited quarterback at this point. If you're not chasing Deshaun Watson, I don't know what your alternatives are uh, at the position other than, I don't know, you do you draft another guy and, and try and develop him behind Tua? That doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Uh you know what I'd do if Jacoby Brissett is on the roster, but uh, that's uh, that's a huge question with this team, and now the defensive architect is gone, and I just, it seems like a really problematic job uh, when it's all said and done. Probably have to offer uh, Russell Wilson an ownership stake at this point, but then you've already given 
doesn't Gloria Stefan have a an ownership? Yeah, stake? And, I think. And, and uh, Venus Williams. Does that sound right? And, and maybe half the Miami Sound Machine. I don't yeah. know at yeah. this point. Because if you take Gloria Stefan, you have to take the Miami Sound Machine too. <laughs> Isn't I, that the name of her band? I don't, yeah, it was. I don't know though. I I, I think she could. Uh, I think you could justify <laughs> breaking away from them. It'd be funny if she had to go to the Miami Sound Machine for capital to make a run at the ownership <laughs> stake of the Dolphins. Like, listen, Sound Machine, uh, we're 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 doing something pretty big here. I like Gloria Stefan. Um, yeah, I I don't know what your options are, and if you don't have. Brian Flores, who coached this defense so far above and beyond their expectations and developed some star, legit star players like Javon Holland is so much fun to watch. That's a Brian Flores guy. You know, beyond that, what are you doing? Like, you know, the Bills are still really good. The Patriots are getting even better. Um, I don't know who signs up to take that job. I mean, I think he wasn't the, what was the Elias stat? Like he was the first coach in modern history to go like eight and one over his final nine games and lose a job. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, You know, who's going to take, you know, who's going to sign up for that and be like, oh yeah, definitely sounds good. I mean, you, you're, you're either going to have to get a cult of personality guy like Harbaugh, uh, who they said that they're not going after or somebody who got shut out of the market otherwise and just wants a head coaching job. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's uh, let's hit the other four openings real quick. The Texans are still up in the air at the time of this taping. Uh, maybe they'll just, I don't know, it seems like they're going to decide like maybe next September whether they want to go forward with David Culley or not for uh, <laughs> the season. But uh, we have four openings. Let's just rapid fire them and let's just say good job or bad job. Will you take this job if offered to you, Connor Orr, the Chicago Bears head coaching job? No, I hate $8 million a year. Um <laughs> uh it's uh it's a bad job right because it's a it's a tough market it's a tough division i don't think justin fields is a long term i i mean i don't know i i haven't seen enough of him and maybe that's just matt Nagy. um but like if i'm i'm not like chomping at the bit to get in there and you know I, i would pick another quarterback to start to risk my only nfl head coaching job with that's what i would say yeah all right uh what about you I think it's an okay job just because, look, Aaron Rodgers, even setting aside the Aaron Rodgers drama, Aaron Rodgers won't be there forever. Could you go in there and sort of be like, well, give me the give me the long runway like Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch got out in San Francisco. It's going to take that long, uh, and we will get it figured out as we go. 
it's it's funny, man. Like if Justin Fields was in this upcoming draft class, I don't think there's any doubt he's by far QB one. He's probably yeah. he's probably first overall pick of the draft. Uh, and I'm not completely sold on him, but I think you saw enough to uh, not be forcing yourself into optimism about his development. You just you need a lot around him. I mean, it's it's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty mangled roster uh, at this point uh, outside of the quarterback position. You don't have a first-round pick to deal with. So it feels like a three-year rebuild, and that might time up perfectly with Aaron Rodgers is gone. You know, Vikings are in sort of a similar spot, and I guess we'll jump over to the Vikings right now. Uh, Vikings, good job or bad job? Quite possibly the best job, right, on the market. You have a veteran quarterback you can win with right away. You have star power on offense, where you know you, if you especially if you're an offensive-minded guy, uh, you can put up a lot of points and legitimize yourself. If you're a defensive head coach, probably oh, you know, no matter what, your offensive coordinator hire is going to look okay in his first year. And then you have the defense to blame it on, right? You say we don't have the personnel there. You know, it's going to take some time, blah blah blah. But you walk into that job with the knowledge that you're also walking into one of the better defensive draft classes in recent NFL memory. And so you sure up some spots there, you sprinkle a little bit of free agency magic on there. And I think you're in the playoffs again in, uh, in 2022. I like this one too. I think the quarterback situation is obviously fascinating there uh, just because it's like, okay, well, well we've seen Kirk cousins and what he can do in a run heavy offense and, and sort of when, when the scheme lifts him up to an extent, you also saw last year, I mean, he brought them back in some games where, uh, you know, they needed late drives and he put them together. And obviously you have a, a superstar in Justin Jefferson uh, to, to build around, not to mention the the running back stable. So uh, it seems like it would work out uh, just fine offensively, no matter what you're going to do at this point. But uh, I also, I don't know. I wonder if there's, if you're going to reach a point of diminishing returns with Kirk Cousins, if you want to say like, all right, we got to, we got to throw it around. We got to drop back 35 times every week. Yeah. I don't know why the other thing reason I don't know why I just think it's such a good job is because I just remember like Mike Zimmer's house from the draft. It was like that gigantic log cabin with like the roaring fireplace. And like, I don't That's just very appealing to me right now. So there's a, there's a very Craig T Nelson life you can build uh, as, as coach out there. So yes. Uh, Broncos. We, uh, we touched on this one a little bit, but uh, yeah, I mean, the division's a nightmare. Uh, you're going to sign up for a lifetime of Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. I mean, those, <laughs> those guys are going to be around for like 15 years. That's that's awful. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you necessarily upgrade on this defense. That said, it's good defensive pieces. And offensively, they have a I mean, they have a lot of weapons. You have a pretty good offensive line. You just you, you need a quarterback. Yeah, you I would. Uh, it's interesting, right? I think like some of the staff there, if possible, you would want to keep like Zach Aziani, the receivers coach, got basically two of those guys to second contracts, you know, and you just signed them. George Payton just signed them to second contracts. Like some of those guys I would keep on, like try to hold over as much of that staff as you could mm-hmm. um, because they're unique offensive players. I don't think any coach is going to be able to come in and utilize them correctly, but I think dream scenario, you come in, you retain some of that staff, Maybe you hold some of the Fangio guys over on defense, try to get a sense of that. Um, but I mean, I just like the job because it's, you know, it's Denver. I mean, it's a blue blood franchise. You want to try to win there. Um, I think regardless of how 
poorly they've been run over the last few years, you know, it, it's a it's a great place to be. Complicating factors, though. Like, if the team gets sold, are you going to want to be the head coach when the team gets sold? You're going to be, like, dealing with a Robert California situation at owner and, like, trying to have to deal with um, a new rich person that you're not familiar with. And yeah. so, I don't know. I think it's going to – unless Jay-Z buys the team and then it's awesome, you know? <laughs> and uh, – so uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff up in the air there. God, Vic Fangio and Jay Z would have got, gotten along so uh, so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. My favorite job, and this is the last one we'll talk talk about, is the Jaguar job. I love low expectations, uh, so I, I would take this and just go in there and be like, "Yeah, this is going horribly," and clearly I don't know what I'm doing. But you know, look at the last guy, and like you can't you can't fire another guy after one year. Like you're you're stuck with me for. <laughs> For at least two years. It's like, and I wouldn't know anything about this um, because I, in in this scenario, I'm the moron, but it's like having an idiot sibling and it's just like forever. You are just in your parents' eyes, just this beautiful star of a person, even though like <laughs> it, basically you're average, right? But the other one is just so below average and so disappointing that, uh, you know, you get to kind of just high step your way through life. And I think the next coach after Urban Meyer, you know, I mean, whatever one analogy you want to make, you're the you're the good boyfriend after the bad boyfriend, you're, you know, anything like that. But um, I think you just come in and they're like, man, Trevor Lawrence is still playing horribly. But you're like, but I didn't kick anybody. And uh, the owner's like, true. Here's a five year extension. Thank you for not doing that. I I don't like the job as much as you do unless I can pick my GM. Yes. I think I would like to pick my GM. I think that there were some issues with the current GM in terms of personnel and getting along with coaches, I've heard some sort of prickly stuff that's happened there. So I don't know. I would want to pick my own GM if I could. I think that's a dream job because, you know, it's a it's a place that players would want to go. Like you can build it as a destination. Um, you know, Jacksonville is a nice place to live. And um, the division's great. Like I want to be in that division. I want to yeah. be competing against davis mills and like an aging ryan Tannehill, and the colts at some point are just not going to put a quarterback in they're just going to see what happens if they don't run an offense with a quarterback and so i i'm going to sign up for that man and it, look trevor lawrence in that week 18 game was it, it was a reminder of like oh yeah this is who this guy was supposed to be and i mean he was carving up that colts defense in a must-win game for the colts uh with a bunch of guys who I mean, I don't know how many of those receivers would even be on a roster, let alone be on the field for a team next year. I mean, he was yeah. he was an absolute stud in that game, and they still like dropped two touchdowns for him as well. But uh, that's uh, yeah, that guy's near idiot proof, and near I guess is what we what we learned this year. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. 
This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. All right, Connor, I promise you, they are going to play honest-to-God postseason football games this weekend, Saturday through Monday. So before we go, we are going to just do a just do a quick preview, quick take fest on each of these games, and we'll we'll see where we land. And and look, we're pretty good at this, so maybe we'll save people some time. They won't even have to watch the game. We'll just tell you what's going to happen. That's what I was kind of hoping, you know. All right, starting. Uh, we're just going to go chronologically through the uh, weekend here. So first game of the weekend, Raiders-Bengals. I'll just say this now, and I love the Bengals. Uh, I think there's a sense that the Raiders are sort of the lucky-to-be-there type of team, whenever everyone knows that's the Steelers, but the Raiders are kind of an also-ran. They're just going to kind of go in and and not really belong when it's all said and done. The Raiders, over the last three weeks, they were turning the ball over. They were not playing particularly well in the red zone, and they were still beating teams. And they beat two quality teams in the Colts and the Chargers in order to get into the postseason. I think this is a legitimately good team at this point. Yeah, do you want to hear something wild about the Raiders? I do. Do you know that they lead the league in in pressure rate? Nobody pressures the quarterback more than the Raiders, which is crazy to me. I mean, Max Crosby is like... To be able to elevate a unit the way that Max Crosby is elevating that defense, that's like defensive player of the year caliber stuff. That's incredible. And here's what's wild. They are so they lead the league in pressure rate and they are blitzing the least amount of any team in the NFL. Isn't that crazy? Yes, yes but I'm going to counter with uh, two points if I could just spoil your uh, your entire little diatribe there. Uh, <laughs> I do wonder. Uh, and if I were not so lazy, I would look this up uh, because I'm sure next gen sets have it. I do wonder if the fact that they always drop seven plus in the coverage does lead to their uh, pass rushers being able to basically it gives them more time to get to the quarterback. And the other thing I want to point out is Yannick Ngakwe is there every week. As you know, uh, he's going against the left tackles. Max Crosby is picking on like the Ali Villanuevas and the Storm Nortons of the world. Uh, Yannick's out there battling the world beaters. This was a big mistake to bring this up, wasn't it? <laughs> you, you, you just need a little hat tip to Yannick Ngakwe, and I would have let it uh, go. That's true. Um, but it's, it is interesting, right? Like, if you look statistically at this team, and I'm curious, I don't know what the benevolent spreadsheet says about the Raiders, but there is almost nothing that they do particularly well. Like, they're a good, efficient passing offense. Derek Carr is a top 10 quarterback who's had some of the best moments of his career, um, but they are bad in the red zone. They turn the ball over a lot. They're 22nd in the league in third down conversion rate. Like, and defensively, all pretty much middle of the pack. They're actually the worst red zone defense in the NFL. Yeah. Um, yep. Which is which is wild to me. And so on on paper, you're like, there's a 0% chance that they're going to be able to beat this Bengals team, especially because the one thing they do really well, which is pressure the quarterback or drop enough to be able to manipulate the pressure, as, as Gary Thank said. You. Uh, Thank you. Thank jo- you. Joe Burrow is like the best pressure quarterback in the NFL, uh, I think by a sizable margin this year. And so there's not not a ton of strengths there. Um, although I still think it's pretty wild that Vegas does that. You know, I, I like I don't know. 
That's that's pretty cool. It is. Just tell me it's just tell me it's cool. It is cool, and it is cool okay. because these are two really that side of the ball that Bengals offense versus Raiders defense. That's a really fascinating matchup because it's just it's it's really unique the way both teams go about it. The Raiders never blitz. Uh, the Bengals sort of do this uh, with their second year quarterback to sort of spread them out. Uh, you know, not really play action, not a whole lot of motion, that type of stuff. So uh, it's a really interesting matchup there. And uh, I do want to, if I could just, uh, you know, agree with you wholeheartedly on something. Uh, the Raiders, I mean, the Raiders were, were what, 26th in turnover differential? This is not a team. Usually when you see a team that doesn't belong in the playoffs, you look at it and it's like oh well yeah I mean they were whatever they were plus 17 in turnover differential or or they were uh incredible defensively in the red zone or something like that they were bad in both of those things like real bad in both those things they can't get worse and that's why when you're going to the playoffs it's like well we've seen what happens when they do really bad in those categories they still hang around in games I need them to win this game, which is, I mean, I understand how backhanded that is, given the way that I've treated the Raiders throughout my life. Um, but, um, I, you know, I don't want to spoil anything. I don't know. Do you know you're, I mean, yes. I mean, you're the editor in charge of our football section. When are our staff picks coming out? Like when, so this podcast is coming out Thursday. When can everyone read our awards picks? Uh, our awards picks are coming out Thursday. Yeah. Okay. So people will be able to read them by the time the podcast comes mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So fellow editor Mitch Goldich is talking to me the other day about like the validity of having this Bengals team win the Super Bowl. And I was like, can we all stop? That is it's ridiculous. Our recency bias is insane. Joe Burrow had two games granted only back to back games in NFL history. Four plus touchdowns, no ints, 400 plus yards. That's the only time that's ever happened. So there is no backdrop for that. There is no perspective for that statistically, historically. But they're going to win the Super Bowl? I don't know. I I, I I can't see that happening, you know? I mean, they're there. I mean, every if, team can win exactly, the Super Bowl. Exactly, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's you know, Nick Foles led the Eagles to a Super Bowl. So with that in mind, you would kind of say like, well, yeah, they're probably better than the Nick Foles Eagles were. But uh, you think so? I think so. <laughs> there's, there's the dream matchup no one wants to watch. <laughs> Bengals versus the uh, yeah versus the Nick Foles Eagles yeah uh, look I think Joe Burrow is capable of being a superhero and I think that's and their defense I think is better than people realize even if they maybe slid back a little bit zeroing on uh, but yeah I mean that formula it it appeals to people and also we're just in a year where I mean there there is no dominant team. So I, I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with the Bengals winning probably the next four Super Bowls. Okay. Um, <laughs> to uh, uh, So I, I can't – I don't know how to give you credit. I, this is sort of a backhanded thing. Um, yep. But I just wanted to look this up uh, once you shoved Yannick Ngakwe down my throat at the top of this. Um, most quarterback pressures in 2021. Max Crosby, number one, mm-hmm. 82. Trey Hendrickson. Cincinnati, number two, 79. Oh, wow. Let's talk about guys I was way wrong about. Third, Yannick Ngakwe, 71. There you go. Right ahead of Nick Bosa at 68. So, um, but you're right. He uh, he takes all the crap. He is the, um, he's the Jadevian clowny here, right? And then uh, Max Crosby gets the fun J.J. Watt role. He's the, uh, boy, I'm going to make the most obscure NBA reference imaginable, and that's just what this is going to make this show great. Uh, he is 
the old De- Detroit Pistons teams. Uh, he is Clifford Robinson, and Max Crosby is Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace got all the black shots and stuff, and Clifford Robinson was a guy who did all of the dirty work and had to match up with the best post player uh, and hold him off while Ben Wallace got to do all the fun stuff. So that's was that that's the weird at. Pistons team that like won the NBA title for no reason? <laughs> it was. It was. Uh, I can't remember if Robinson was still on that team when they won it. But it was that 2004 team where they beat the Lakers' dream team. This is this is just slowly morphing into a really bad uh, episode of the crossover. <laughs> well, you know what? I love Rohan. Rohan talks a lot of ball, so we can talk a little bit of. Uh, there you go. We can we can talk a little bit a little bit of NBA. I mean, I, I you know I have some I have some Mehmet Okur takes if we need them. Nice. Right? Wasn't nice. wasn't he on that team? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah, he was. <laughs> That's our take. He was he was a player on that team. <laughs> Rookie Mehmet Okur. All right, let's go on to the Saturday night game, and this is the Bills Patriots round three. And I look, this is what we learned in the first two rounds. Uh, you know, if, if if the Patriots are going to uh, have an advantage, it's if the wind picks up and we get sort of a uh, a grinded out. You know, let's uh, let's put our fullback and our two tight ends on the field and 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 roll over the bills that way and when the bills won in foxborough it was normal conditions and i don't know i remember watching that game like midweek re-watching it and josh allen was incredible in that game i mean he did a number of things that were completely just not defensible and it was still it, the score wasn't super close, but there were a lot of fourth down conversions. Uh, I still think these two teams. I think if you put them in a dome, the Bills are the better team. I think when you mix in the conditions, it's supposed to be cold, maybe a little windy Saturday night. Uh, I you know I, I still think this game's a coin flip. Well, it 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 will expose ultimately your secret theory on uh, Mac Jones's inability to perform in the cold. You've been like, you've been sort of like teasing that throughout yeah. the year. So I'm eager to see what happens here. Um, I enjoyed, uh, we did a fun show yesterday. Um, uh, well, so you can go in our Twitter spaces, which I didn't know what that was until uh, yesterday, <laughs> but you can find us all in Twitter space. And we did a fun Twitter space show. And I was talking to editor Mitch about this and the prevailing consensus from everyone was, well, if you give Bill, Belichick a third time to see an opponent there's no way he's gonna lose doesn't everyone forget the last time that that happened was Bart Scott the can't wait Jets that was and and they got their butts handed to them you know and it was really interesting I mean I was at that game I was actually standing next to Bart Scott in the locker room while he said that to uh, Sal Pound or he might have said it again in the locker room he said it on the field and then I was there in the locker room and he said it again um but um yeah, I mean, I Bill Belichick is the greatest head coach in NFL history, but the mythos that like he cannot be beaten a third time, I think is is kind of overblown, especially when I think Buffalo leads the league in passing defense, scoring defense, and total defense. Of the teams that have done that in the Super Bowl era, half of them have made the Super Bowl and not a single one of them lost to a rookie quarterback. So I can't imagine I can't imagine Buffalo losing this game. Is all I'm saying. I think Buffalo okay. is going to the Super Bowl, and I can't. I can't see them losing this game. To your point, Josh Allen's been fabulous. I think we have a Bengals-like recency bias because the Bills faltered a little bit at the end of the season, uh, whereas the Bengals succeeded, and so now our 
calibration's all off, but this team was putting up like 35 or 40 points a week at the beginning of the season. Do we not think that they're capable of doing that again uh, in, in the postseason? And I just want to double down on my Mac Jones take in the cold because I want this to be as insulting as possible. Uh, I'm not <laughs> Listen, even... you Florida boy. Yeah, I'm not even saying like, like, oh, you know, he doesn't have the arm strength to cut through the wind or whatever. And, and it looks, as I pull up the forecast now, and again, we got like two more days, but it looks like it's going to be very little as far as wind goes. So it's just going to be really, really cold, like single digits cold. Uh, and that's what I'm saying. I'm saying he's going to be like, man, it is too cold for football. I don't want to be out here. It's going to kind of feel like, remember the Packers Giants uh, NFC title game when Brett Favre was there and it just sort of ended with his really terrible interception in overtime. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's that sort of thing where you just sort of get some throws that are like, ah, this is, <laughs> this is too much. Let's go inside. <laughs> well, you have to, uh, you know, there's such an aesthetic to this. Like, do you remember, um, I remember the Fox Sunday special uh, before, like when the the year that the Bears made it to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Bre- remember Brian Urlacher was sleeping in the freezer. Oh, I don't Do remember, remember that? that. That's that's yeah. wild though. Yeah, like it. Well, in hindsight, sounds like a horrible idea. Yes, like he he was sleeping in like a meat freezer. <laughs> and, like I remembered the the pregame show, they were like, "What an amazing idea!" And I was like, "He's probably going to get horribly sick yeah. and just miss like, <laughs> you know, that's just like an awful idea." It's like, uh, yeah, what's what was the famous um, Ernest Shackleton's like Antarctic exploration? Like, you know, that guy it didn't turn out well. For yeah, him, you know, so you shouldn't yeah. do that. But um, yeah, maybe Mac Jones will sleep in a freezer. Oh man, that's that's what you're. I mean, that's kind of what you're putting on him right now. Is like maybe maybe he needs to sleep in a freezer a little bit. We're gonna come back here on the Monday morning show, and if they lose, it's gonna be like, ah, eh, should have gotten that Should've freezer, buddy. Freezer. <laughs> You'll know for next year. All right, the uh, the Sunday afternoon game, Eagles Bucks is the first one. It's kind of interesting because uh, you know the 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 whatever the 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 ten thousand foot view of the Bucks defense over the last two or three years has been well you can't run on them I mean you know you got uh, Vita Vey up there and Sue and uh, you're just not going to run on them so let's not try just pick on their their cornerbacks they've been banged up there and and et cetera et cetera uh, since Levante David went down. This has not been statistically a terribly good run defense. And then on top of that, obviously, with the Eagles, you have, you know, one of the most diverse and and dynamic run attacks in the NFL. If the Eagles, I I said this yesterday, um, if the Eagles rush for, you know, and this is, trust me, don't. Don't say like I'm saying this to be like a football guy, but I'm just saying it to like make an example of it. Like we're going to run the ball. No, like if if the Eagles run for more than like 100 yards, they're going to win that game. And not and not just because they it's not like a Joe Judge thing where it's like if we if we cover the kickoffs, we win. And it's like, no. Uh, But I think if the Eagles because the Eagles will have to abandon the run at some point if they're not running the ball effectively, if they're running the ball effectively enough to put up at least 100 yards. I think they win that game. Um, I think they definitely I mean, this isn't a gambling show, but I think they cover the eight points regardless of how it shakes out. But if you allow them to get into a groove, it's not no different than Baltimore, but it's a lot closer to Baltimore than I think we're giving them credit for because they can block stuff up like the Ravens or they can just sit in 13 uh, personnel and just and just pound you out. And I think if they can move that defensive line, which 
the Eagles have the veterans up front to be able to do that on the offense, I think it's possible. I mean, you know, I think, and this is a better Eagles defense than we're giving it credit for too. And yeah. it's a injured, it's an injured Buccaneers offense. Like there's a lot of things that are imperfect about this scenario for, for Tampa Bay. This one, and, and it's a lazy comp, but I'll make it anyway. But this Bucks team right now feels to me like that <clears throat> last Brady Patriots team where mm. they were kind of, they're really banged up. They were out of weapons. They got to the postseason. You know, Titans were coming in. It was kind of like, well, the Titans are gonna, aren't gonna are going to come in uh, to Foxborough with Ryan Tannehill and get out of there. And that's what they did. They just won a low-scoring game where the Bucks couldn't move the ball. I don't think the Bucks are quite at that point that that Patriots team was, but it's kind of trending in that direction. And I do think, uh, I mean, look, it, there's a lot of, you know, well, first time in the postseason uh, type of bias here when it comes to the Eagles. And a lot of people will point to the fact that they, you know, they, they didn't play particularly well. Uh, their record is not very good. Uh, I think they went winless against teams that finished with winning records this year. But uh, just on paper, I mean, this, this, you know, Shane Steichen and, and Nick Sirianni uh, rushing attack here against the Todd Bowles defense. Uh, this is a tall order for Todd Bowles at this point to uh, prepare for this game. Yeah, because you can't do you can't do what you did. All, all the the best things that you've done in the past. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've we've written about the the way that their defense kind of was uniquely able to sit in this NFL middle ground and succeed. But you don't have that anymore. And it was so uniquely dependent on the strength of those linebackers and the front seven in general to be able to allow them to play freely. And now that everything's compromised, I mean, this is a team that's running solely on like Tom Brady power, which is like, it's like having a good generator, which like will get you so far. And then at some point you need the rest of the, I don't know what you need the grid back up. Well, yeah, you just need power. Yeah. yeah would be like the, like general power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do homes work again? General power. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. All right, 49ers go to Dallas, and look, I think the Cowboys are the best team in the NFC. Uh, I think they're the most complete team in the NFC right now. Uh, That said, I'm going to be a coward and just say uh, I think there's something to be said for this 49ers team and the weapons they have on offense, as long as Jimmy Garoppolo can distribute the ball uh, with any sort of efficiency. In mid-January, you have to tackle... Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, I mean, even even Juwan Jennings at this point, uh, that is a miserable way to spend your Sunday afternoon. 
you want to know the moment that I was 100% certain that the Dallas Cowboys were going to lose this game? I do. I heard uh, it's a great stat, and I heard it, but the second that I heard it, I was like, there's 0% chance this team is winning this game. Cowboys are the only team in NFL history with a 4,000-plus-yard quarterback, Mm -hmm. a 1,000-plus-yard running back, 1,000-plus-yard wide receiver, 10-plus sack guy, 10-plus int guy, interception guy. It's never happened before in NFL history. Um, and so the argument was made to me that, okay, well, this is our, you know, probably the most complete team in the NFL then because the stars are dotted everywhere. And I said, that's great. I think they're going to lose by 25 to the 49ers. Uh, (laughs) just because those are the stats that you hear that, that make them seem insurmountable and just so much bigger than everything else. But uh, like a good running game cuts through all of that. Like, you know, and, and none of that really matters. None of those stats actually matter, but like. I don't see the one thing that I see Dallas doing relatively well is, you know, the thing that stops outside zone is hard upfield pressure. Mm-hmm. And I think you have the defensive front to do that. And Micah Parsons, Micah Parsons is going to be able to shoot gaps and he's going to be able to interrupt a lot of the stuff that you're doing with outside zone. It's going to mess up your timing. It's going to mess up the blocking. You're going to have to like hope that George Kittle can, can get on him and get a body on him quickly, quickly enough, which, you know, I, I, I would guess he can, if he can't though, then you're kind of, kind of hosed. I mean, I don't know if you get another performance out of Jimmy Garoppolo, like you did against the Rams the week before. About a month ago, when I realized Demarcus Lawrence was still on the Cowboys and was also returning <laughs> to the lineup, it was just like, <laughs> Oh wow. Right. Uh, but yeah, to your point, boy, I'm just going across sports with a metaphor and it's just, annoying the crap out of everyone but uh there was a season uh, i don't know maybe 15 years ago when jimmy rollins for the phillies had this stat line that was like 25 home runs 40 doubles 10 triples no one's ever done it before how could he not be mvp and just like well if if like all those triples are home runs that's that's much better like it's just <laughs> it's just kind of collecting like a random like they hit a certain threshold in X Y and Z and no one's ever done it like yeah I don't know there, there are any any number of teams I'm sure who basically did that except for the ten uh, interception guy and by the way Connor didn't he didn't he win the MVP that year he did yeah yeah very unfairly two thousand seven yep yeah yep um I can't remember who he's up against but he shouldn't have gotten it that year uh. And I do want to point out, Connor, I've noticed you started saying int, and uh, yeah. and I like it. Okay, I was going to say, I thought you were going to be like, and stop it. No, 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 <laughs> I like it. I'm down with it. Uh, the other thing I'll say about this Cowboys team, and look, we know the 49ers issue is their cornerback play. It is not really good enough, uh, and that's, to me, that's the difference between this team and the 2019 team, uh, other than the fact that, I don't know, we're two years into the future at this point. It is... It is just going to be crucial for this pass rush to dominate the Cowboys offensive line. I I just don't think they can do it to the level that they have to do it at. And if you go back over the last month, we kind of went through that period where Dak Prescott was just sort of, he was just sort of out of rhythm and off target with everything. And it was kind of like, all right, is it the calf? Is there something wrong here? He's been good over the past month. The only game that was bad was that Cardinals game, and I think that was just mm-hmm. a matter of Vance Joseph just just out schemed them with all the all the simulated pressure, and they weren't ready for it, and that's what sort of threw them off. I don't know if there's really any reason to think that this Cowboys passing game is not going to click the way that it should in the postseason. 
Yeah. By the way, so Jimmy Rollins won the MVP that year. Um, the voting that year was horrendous. Um, it was Jimmy Rollins, Matt Holiday, Prince Fielder, one, two, three. Um, neither one of those uh, were even close to the uh, wins above replacement leader for the National League that year. That just shows how far behind everyone was. I mean, Albert Pujols was like a nine war player that year um, and finished ninth in voting, <laughs> which was just ridiculous. Um <laughs> Yeah, wow. David hmm. Wright was like an 8.4 um, war guy. Played the entire season. 30 home runs. We, Yeah, I don't know. It, that's just a, That was a travesty. Baseball voting travesty. We all know about those. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's not that Dak Prescott's hard to predict. I mean, this is the number one scoring offense in the NFL. It's not like um, it's been pocked with, uh, you know, periods of inconsistency. He's handled pressure. He's he handled physical games, um, does all that stuff really well. Um, I, I just think if you're worried about curveball defensive coordinators who are inconsistent in a good way with the amount of pressure that they bring and how they're going to handle things stylistically. D'Amico Ryans is just not a guy I'd want to go up against right now. Like I think he could throw the house at you and freak you out early and, uh, and, and change the course of this game. And if you're, that's the weird thing about the 49ers, like they're not the Ravens, but if they get up 10 points, that game is over. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you're, you're not going to be able to get the ball enough to be able to come back on them. All right, the Sunday night game, the Steelers go back to Kansas City. Uh, it's postseason football. Uh, this, Why is this the Sunday night game? I, I don't because it's I, maybe more farewells for Ben Roethlisberger. I, I don't know. Uh, this is the least watchable matchup of, of the weekend. Who knows? Maybe it'll be interesting. Uh, there are two paths to victory here for the Steelers. One is TJ Watt just destroys this game in a way that, frankly, we haven't seen, uh, like, anyone destroy a, a game. And, you know, you could look back to last year's Super Bowl and say, well, you know, it's happened to the Chiefs. But, uh, look, that was sort of a, a full-on line collapse against a team that sort of had guys all over the place that could get to you. Uh, this has to be, like, T.J. Watt and maybe Cam Hayward just absolutely wrecking this game in just unfathomable ways. Uh, and the other way is, do you get, like, a punt block return TD and do you get like uh you know does does uh Daryl Williams fumble and you scoop it up and score or something like that it's just the fluke stuff has to pile up and you know it can happen uh we've seen it happen to the Chiefs you feel like the Chiefs have probably exhausted the weird fluky turnovers uh that they had in their pocket early in the year yeah um I <laughs> I got that visual when you said uh TJ Watt um, of TJ Watt like coming out and wrecking the game like it would need to be almost like he he comes out and like grabs Patrick Mahomes and just throws him <laughs> out of the stadium like and he like travels so far that like it, he just like goes out of the state of Missouri and it takes too long for them to bring him back yeah you know? they were like well we're not stopping the game like someone's got to go get him and and bring him back it, but, it uh, would be something that yeah something that would resemble like the the terry cruz uh old spice commercials that that tim and eric <laughs> directed uh it's got to be something like that <laughs> um it it will be an interesting um i remember talking about this a lot after the super bowl last year chiefs were one of the fewest um 
uh, like 13 person, like double tight end teams in the NFL last year. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that came back to bite them in the Super Bowl because they had no other option to keep guys in to stay in chip for Patrick Mahomes when things were getting dicey. Like they were kind of using like um, I think I remember like Nicole Hardman staying back there to try to like uh, clip people and it just wasn't working. Um, they've had to experiment with other tight ends this year because Travis Kelsey being hurt and they've kind of rolled X through some of that stuff. They have some better blocking tight ends on the roster, but still have only run like 50 plays this year out of three tight end. And I'm wondering like, could this be a similar situation where you just get hot off the edge and all of a sudden everything freaks out and Najee Harris has another, like Najee Harris is coming around. Uh, I think by virtue that the offensive line is coming around and playing pretty well. And so, you know, could all that stuff bundle together? Probably not, but maybe, I don't know if not though, like it's just the, this uh, retirement ceremony for Ben Roethlisberger has been absolutely exhausting. Like this <laughs> really has been, has been. <laughs> it's been like four weeks of just like, ah, the old rusty guy. And like, it's like, okay, we, you know, we're, I'm pretty done with this. I'm trying to think of like who, who has had a longer, more drawn out retirement than this. I don't know. Um, what, what if he just comes back next year now? This is G it's not Jeter esque. Nothing was worse than that. Yes. Agreed. Nothing was worse than that. Uh, this is, uh, it's, it's close. I don't know. When when I was a kid, I remember Kareem retirement uh, thing, but that wasn't really. I don't know. No, that wasn't it. This is se- <laughs> I, second after Jeter. Yeah. That, the only thing. This is like sort of off topic, but the Browns game where it was his final home game and. Kevin Stefanski kept using his timeouts and like they were so aggressively trying to come back from like a multi-score deficit <laughs> and to but like by by virtue of that they weren't letting him back on the field and I was just cackling in my house. I was like everyone here just wants to say goodbye to this man and Ben Roethlisberger is looking at Baker Mayfield just like <laughs> flailing around. It's like what are we doing here? Uh this is awful. But by the way, I like how you preface that as kind of off topic in a show where we've run down the 2007 NL MVP race and the uh, <laughs> Mamet Okor Detroit Pistons. I've got more 2007 MVP takes later. <laughs> All right. The, the Monday night game, that's for the after hour show. That's when things get, <laughs> things get a little blue there. Uh, <laughs> the Monday night game, Cardinals Rams. Uh, look, and and we are uh, we are a news breaking show now. Uh, we're not really breaking the news. We're just reciting other people's broken news. Uh, Jordan Fuller's out for this one. Taylor Rapp is in concussion protocol. Uh, so the Rams signed up Eric Weddle to come back this week, which was I don't know. It was it was neat to think about Eric Weddle again. I can't imagine putting him out there he didn't look particularly spry the last time we saw him you know maybe a little bit of rest will get him going here I I don't know what kind of role you can expect from him outside of just being depth and being on the sideline yeah I mean you know it's funny like well first off does this fall into your preseason anti-browns take that they are just a loose collection of stars at this point. Like, do you think that the Rams are as fundamentally flawed as perhaps the Browns defense was at this point where it's just sort of a loose collection of big names? Well, it worries you on the back end, right? I mean, you do have uh, Jalen Ramsey, you know, is, is a guy who obviously you can, you can stick him on someone. I don't even know exactly what they, uh, what they do. Do you have him? He, he didn't play in the second matchup and, you know, DeAndre Hopkins was around for the first matchup. Uh, do you just do you stick him on 
AJ Green at this point? Is that a is that a waste of Jalen Ramsey? Uh, yes. <laughs> I don't know who else you stick him on though, because Christian Kirk. I mean, I, I I'm not I'm not sure what you do here. Maybe you just don't stick him on anyone. Maybe you just have him sort of floating around doing his thing. Uh, I always worry about heavy changeover in the secondary because, especially in a game like this, you might be like two blown coverages away from letting the Cardinals steal one there. Yeah, and it's hard, right? I think if it was DeAndre Hopkins, I'm calling this one. Uh, if if DeAndre Hopkins is playing in this game, mm-hmm. um, I think it could be a big Zach Ertz game. Uh, and and I think you have the dogs to probably handle that situation. But I don't know. Um, if you're Cliff Kingsbury, do you try to do what you haven't really successfully done, which, I mean, you run the ball well in the red zone, but like to really come out and try to, you know, pound this team a little bit, test them, see if, you know, see if they're as vulnerable as we've seen um, in the past. I don't know. Like, I don't know what best, best practices here, but I, I think both of these teams are so imperfect and so, so good and so imperfect at this point that you have a hard time kind of gaining any confidence on it necessarily. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what they do here. Look, I think the Rams probably appreciate having the extra day off coming after that 49ers game where I thought they came out in the first half and it was, you know, it was almost like a team that just wanted to make the point that, okay, we got steamrolled last time. That's not happening this time. And they did play well against the run throughout that game. Uh, But, you know, playing uh, whatever, the the extra possession and all that stuff. I, I don't know what kind of bounce back they'd be looking at coming in if this was a uh, uh, a normal week of rest. I think the extra day is nice for them. That's that's my exaggerated take on rest and weather uh, for the second time in this show, and I think I'll put that to, uh, I don't know, I think I'll put that one away for now. Yeah, I mean, we could, I mean, we could do some more 2007 Phillies stuff if you want to talk uh, <laughs> Abraham Nunez, Pat Burrell, uh, you know, or we could, uh, we could just go on to the next one. I have a Pat Burrell jersey somewhere in uh, in my closet here. I have a Chris Chris Cost or Chris Coast. He was the like the thirty five year old minor leaguer that was on that team. Um, oh. But I, I grew up in Scranton, and he played for what was then the the Red Barons. And um, his name I think is Chris Cost, but it looked like Coast on the back of his jersey and. My friends and I used to sit along the first baseline and call him Chris Toast. And every because if he ever missed a ground ball, we just would scream Toast. And uh, <laughs> he walked to the uh, he walked to the be- the uh, bullpen and, or the dugout or whatever. And we were sitting there going, ah, "Nice job, Toast! Can we have a baseball, you jerk?" And you know he's holding the baseball and he goes, "Do you want this?" And we said, "Yeah." And then he crow hopped. And he threw it out of the entire stadium, like over, oh man, like over, like rows and rows and like, like a, like five hundred feet in the air, and then out of the stadium. It was amazing. And uh, good move, next, yeah, yeah. It was, it was awesome. It was exactly what you'd want to do. And then he, uh, like, the next year got called up for the first time in his life, like in his late thirties, <laughs> had a star run, and then I think wrote a book, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> So, um, oh and it helped Jimmy Rollins win the MVP to bring it full circle. So I have a feeling we're going to be reviewing that book at some point, uh, during the off season. <laughs> it sounds like a show that we would do now that Jenny is gone and, uh, we're no longer <laughs> regulated by anything <laughs> out of orbit. 
The MMQB NFL podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Gramling. We are produced by Shelby Royson. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Mravik is emeritus editor of the MMQB, and Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts, and once you do, please leave a rating and review because it really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s, dance away with hip-hop beats, and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.